This morning's reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. You can find this on page 1103 in the Pew Bibles. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who, who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. 
But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you challenge us on a regular basis. And you challenged your disciples. And they had to hear two or three times before they responded, but ultimately they responded. And we pray that this morning you would unblock our ears, that we may hear your word and put into place uh, something for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, there, are, there are some great definitions of, um, of what preaching is. Um, I'm not a great fan of the word preacher, actually, but anyway, uh, what speaking or preaching is. Um, but one of the best, I think, is one beggar telling another beggar where bread may be found. I think that's a great definition. And it doesn't matter who is telling whom, there's life and there's hope in the words that are expressed because both beggars are hungry. Now, many of you will know that we have uh, a young puppy, now about five months old, I think, and um, we are trying to train him. Uh, Emphasis being on the word trying there. Uh, And it seems to me that uh, you have to ignore everything that they do wrong, which is very sad, Uh, and just reward them whenever they do something which might vaguely be correct. So it's total bribery. And there is just nothing else but bribery in it. Uh, But we as people do not, should not, need bribery to learn from other people. Our puppy is beginning to learn our voice. uh, And he will, on the whole, respond We can go into a crowded room. There was chatter amongst you uh, before we started our service. And you will have tuned in to the person that was talking to you. At least I trust (laughs) you will have tuned in to the person that was talking to you. If you're in a party, it's it's a really noisy atmosphere, but you can concentrate on one voice which is a fascinating gift that we have, that we can filter things out and concentrate on one voice. Uh, Of course, that also means that we can filter out the things that we should be listening to and we can listen to those things that we should not. Now, in this series, we've talked about hearing God through waiting, 
hearing God through the word, through worship, through dreams and visions. And today's passage is about hearing God through others. But actually, as we'll see, it's a passage almost summing up everything that we have looked at. We have a centurion in the Roman army. In other words, he's, uh, he's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. He's not part of the Israelite nation. This is uh, an outsider. He has a household staff. He has a devoted uh, soldier, or rather a soldier probably devoted to him and to God. Uh, he feared God and he prayed. And we read that he was praying at the uh, three o'clock in the afternoon. That's one of the set times for prayer. So this was uh, a devout man. Daniel, you may remember, in a passage does the same thing. And he sees uh, a vision of an angel uh, who says, go and send for Simon, uh, Peter, uh, who's living at the house of Simon the Tanner in Joppa. uh, And they're living in Caesarea. So he thinks, fine, that's what I must do. He hears the word of God uh, and he sends uh, some of his servants and the devoted soldier Away. It's about 30 miles, apparently, between those two places. Uh, and therefore, it took them sort of 24 hours to, to get there. So, 24 hours later, Peter is equally praying on the roof, and he is having a vision. So, to one, we have a sort of dream or a, 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 a vision of an angel. To the other, we have this vision of unclean food being lowered uh, and Peter says, oh, I can't possibly touch that. That would, that would make me unclean. I can't worship you. I can't pray to you. I can't go to the temple. I can't do anything if I touch that. And God says, no, no, no. Don't call anything. If I'm asking you to do it, that's, that means it's okay. And this happens three times because Peter is convinced that the message that he's getting is wrong. And then, of course, there's the knock at the door. Peter has arrived. Cornelius has gathered his whole family and wider family together uh, to hear the words from Peter. I mean, it's a really simple story, but it's a fantastic story. You can go into it in so many different uh, layers. Uh, Consider for a moment that this is completely contrary to their tradition and the rules and regulations of religion. Not only for Peter, it's the unclean. He's entering the house of a Gentile, that makes him unclean. Cornelius is asking his servants to go and seek someone. What do the servants have to do? What are they told? But you get a feeling in this passage that actually they're doing what they want to do because they trust in Cornelius. And when Peter speaks to them, you also get that feeling that the servants are still there. They're listening. They're being touched through what Peter is saying. Peter had looked at the vision. He'd understood it. He'd interpreted it. And he followed uh, Cornelius' servants when uh, when they arrived. Cornelius, of course, has to accept that it really is an angel. That it really is a word from God. And then they travel 24 hours. They're led to a house of the dream, a house they don't know. They don't know Simon the Tanner. They don't know Simon Peter. I mean, it's all slightly extraordinary. Slightly extraordinary. It's completely extraordinary. But what a purpose. 
What a purpose. This, for me, is... I have many purple passages in the Bible, but this is definitely one of them. This is a complete transformation of the way God is working with his people. Because his people are no longer a select people, the Israelite nation. His people are all people. This is the opening of the door to the Gentile world. And everybody is asked in to eat at the table of Jesus Christ. I think that's so exciting. I think that's utterly amazing. And it all occurs because they were listening. They were listening and they heard the word of God. This is hearing through visions, through dreams. It's the word, it's people's actions. They all had to do something. All of it is together. And, of course, we can laugh and just say, well, blimey, it was obvious for them, wasn't it? They had a vision in front of them. They had an angel in front of them. Goodness sake. Of course they would have done something. Really? So when you have a dream, do you call it a dream or do you call it a word from God? When you have that little niggle in your mind that you think, I should be doing something, is that a niggle in your mind or is that a word of God? When you accidentally bump into someone in the street and they say to you, did you know? And you didn't know. Is that a coincidence? Or is that the word of God? When you read something, it doesn't have to be from the Bible. It can be uh, you know, on one of those adverts on the, the tube. And it just strikes a chord with you. Is that a coincidence? Is that, well, how, how curious was that? Or is that the word of God? You see, we do filter out so much of our life. And it was a filtering out that would I have walked 24 hours to go and find someone that I didn't know because they might or might not have something useful to say to me? No, I wouldn't. But they did. And I wonder at how many of those points I would have filtered out what I was hearing. See, hearing through others is not just words. It's actions as well. And in this passage, we see that dedication and that determination to get to the truth of God. And I suspect Peter when he heard that knock on the door, when he heard their story, he was reacting as much to them as he was to to what they were saying. It was all fitting together for him. And he knew that God was working. He probably didn't understand it all. But he was prepared to take that step to follow God's path. Now, do we believe that God can speak through other people? Do we believe that God can speak through circumstances? Is it a coincidence? Is it lucky quirk? Or is it God's hand at work? We shared, uh, we had Cafe Church last week and we shared a few stories about the Holy Spirit working in our life. Uh, And actually in our little group, which I think was all men, which was just delightful. um, So it was our little group of, of men and we were making ourselves vulnerable with each other. 
And we were sharing, actually, some little stories about things which had happened. And we laughed with each other. But actually, what we were saying to each other was, do you know God did something for me? He intervened at this point in my life. I think now we're talking with each other. I'm prepared to admit that God might have done something. And it was fascinating, to me at least, to know that usually we just pass these things by. But when we stopped, thought, and shared with each other, we were actually prepared to admit that God was at work, even with us. Now, we have preconceived ideas as well, don't we? Peter did. Peter wanted to say that the impure food was wrong, but to him it was a message of love, crossing the cultural and the religious divide. But I wonder if we'd have filtered that out as well. We might think that God can't speak to us other than uh, through the, the educated people. You know, I had to go off to a theological college before I was allowed to stand here. Debbie's done the same. Colin's done the same. Colin's done the same. James has done the same, and so on. So what? Does that mean that God can't speak through other people, the poor, the illiterate? What does that person on the street corner actually say to you? Who did Jesus choose to be his disciples the uneducated, the poor, the outcast fishermen. And yet, we don't think that they can speak to us. If that was his plan A, boy, I'd love to see his plan B. And do you know the really curious thing is that we're his plan A as well. In our uneducated, our illiterate and untheological basis, It is simply the fact that we've opened our mind, we've opened our heart to God and we've opened our ears to listen to him. I wonder what we've heard from God this week. Each one of us will have been spoken to by God this week. I wonder what he said. Or did I filter that out too? Who have we spoken to about God this week? Either through our words or what we've done. How have we made someone feel? There's an old marketing slogan we use quite a lot at work, actually, that people will forget what you say, they'll forget what you do, but they will never forget how you made them feel. So if you're in a service industry, you've got to make people feel good because that's what they're going to remember. And as Christians, we are in the service industry. Because we are following, we're walking the path of God. How did we make people feel? Because if we make them feel that they're loved because God loved us, then we will leave an enduring impression upon them. So, this week, how are we going to tune our eyes and ears into the moving hand of God? Are we going to look out for those moments when God's hands move in our lives, open our ears to hear his voice coming from those that we love but those that we don't know as well. 
often unexpected places. What is it that we will experience this week that points us to God that we may then point others to him also? Let's change the filters with God this week, shall we? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are so sorry for the times when our ears are blocked, our eyes are clouded, our actions are faulty, our mouth is confused. Help us to replace those filters, to have a bit of an MOT that we may speak clearly, see clearly, hear clearly, act clearly for you. So first, Lord, we ask that we would be vulnerable, that you would speak to us, that we may speak to others in all those ways. In your name we pray. Amen.